Action.org podcast coming away. Steve Smee here and Rick in the house. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? All right, guys. So this is number 353, a Q&A coming your way. We are recording, right, Rick? It looks like it, yeah. This is still recording. It looks like it. I just want to make sure. All right, guys, because I'm not seeing recording on it. Okay, now I see recording. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Okay. Okay, so keep going. All right, guys. Yeah, so guys, this is, uh, like I said, 353 Q&A episodes. Let's get right to it. We have five fun topics, guys. First one is, do I really need an AI on steroids and and rheumatase inhibitor? So first off, you know, before, you know, you can answer this question, you got to know what you're running, how much you're running, and you got to know your history. Um, I, I highly recommend getting blood work before cycle. Frankly, in my opinion, it's mandatory. When I do consultations with people, I make people get get blood work. I, I'm like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll do the consultation with them, but I tell them clearly at the end, look, before you start the steroids cycle, you got to run blood work. You got to know where you're at. What happens if your estrogen is elevated before you even go on cycle? Then you go on cycle, it's even more elevated, and you can't bring it down the way you want to bring it down. Well, if you have pre-cycle blood work, you can flag anything that's, that's going on with your estrogen levels and correct it before, beforehand, and you'll know down the line. And then when you come off, you'll also know that you may be more prone to higher estrogen than normal people. So that's, that's step one, blood work. Step two is what are you running? If you're running something that aromatizes – What's your dosage? Are you running a TRT dose of testosterone on your cycle with something dry like Primo, for example? Then you're not going to need an AI. You won't unless the Primo is really testosterone. You're getting fake product. But if you run a proper TRT dose of 100 milligrams a week, you won't need it. But if you're running 300 milligrams a week of testosterone with the Primo, then sure, I would run it. So anything above a TRT dose of testosterone you probably want to use an AI because you want to control your estrogen, but you don't want to slam your estrogen. You get estrogen too low. That's not good either. And a lot of you guys who listen to this podcast already know that a lot of you listen to the podcast. You've talked about this before, but it needs to be said Rick over and over because guys continue to make the mistake and they come on the forum and they complain about issues. The problem is if you slam your estrogen too low, you're going to get side effects. You're going to get depression, mood changes, dry joints, not good. But if you let your estrogen go sky high, you may also need to be fitted for a bra because you're going to open yourself up to gynecomastia bitch tits, right? So you got to balance it. I always tell my clients, you want to keep your estrogen in the 20s when you're on a cycle. Got to keep it balanced. So that synergy of an AI is going to be dependent on what you're using, how much you're using. And then also using the proper amount of aromatized inhibitor. My recommendation for an AI is aromasin. If you can't get aromasin, then get aromidex. But I wouldn't use Letro. Absolutely not. Some of the old school guys, Rick, from the 90s, I'm sure you're in your, back in your day when you first got on the forums, they would recommend Letro. Why would they recommend Letro? Because Letro was one of the first AIs available. Back then, aromasin didn't even exist. So, of course, they're going to recommend what they think is right, and they're still going to recommend that because they haven't bothered to update the information. So that's why you see guys recommend Letro. You see doctors recommend Arimidex. They'll prescribe you Arimidex. 
Why? Because they don't know about Romasin. Doctors, they don't keep up with this stuff. They don't modernize their information. But the modern AI is aromasin. It's a suicide aromatase inhibitor. So that's the one I recommend. So you should get that. That's the number one thing, one you should get. And you should balance your estrogen. Not low and not too high. I hope that answers the question. Rick, what, what do you think about this topic? You have to go by, by feel, how you feel. You have to go by your blood tests. Uh, and you also need to understand that estrogen is necessary for anabolism. Estrogen is necessary in order for you to build muscle. Estrogen is necessary for other bodily processes. So you can't just crush it and think you're going to be okay. You can't just get rid of estrogen and think you're going to be fine somehow. It doesn't work that way. You want to make sure to look, if you're taking Dianabol, you'd want your estrogen to get a little bit high. So you get a little bit of that bloating, which helps you increase that strength, which helps you increase that mass, which really helps you get the Dianabol experience out of it. We've said this on the podcast before. So do I need to take an aromatase inhibitor during cycle? That depends. Depends how you're feeling. Depends how you how you're reacting to it. And it depends what your goals are. If you are bulking, big bulking, strength gaining cycle, uh, dianabol, uh, high levels of testosterone, maybe you want to let the estrogen ride out a little bit and you want to maybe take some Novodex to just block it at the receptor sites in, the, in your nipples so you don't get gynecomastia. But let the some of the bloating and some of the higher estrogen levels uh, and water retention, let that, let that go a little bit. Let that go in and benefit you a little bit, right? Look, the whole, the whole uh, science behind creatine and how that helps you, how creatine works is it helps to, it increases water retention inside of the muscle. So it's not a bad thing to have a little bit of water retention. It, it helps a lot, not just while you're lifting, but it helps with recovery. I feel like when my when I'm a little bit tiny bloated from something like Dianabol, a little bit of a extra water retention, I feel like the the acid like acid leaves my muscles quicker during the set, you know after a set. It's just the feeling I get of of just how 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 much faster my muscles uh, stop burning and are ready for the next set. You want to ride the the estrogen wave, depending on what you what your goals are. Gaining weight, going up in weight, don't worry about it too much. Let it bloat you a little bit. Take something to block it at the receptor sites. If you're cutting down, you're trying to get ready for a show, a photo shoot, a family vacation, I don't know, whatever it is. And yeah, cutting cycle, caloric deficit, and keep estrogen manageable uh, to a low degree. If you need blood work, make sure to get up with Steve. And Steve will uh, take care of you and the blood work. And make sure that you have a, you have appropriate estrogen levels. So that, that's my whole thing on it is depends what your goals are and you have to really play it, play it by ear. But no, estrogen is not evil. Don't, don't crush it. It can be utilized towards your goals. You just have to know what, what your goals truly are and, and adjust accordingly. Okay, so our next topic is injectable orals. We've never talked about this on the podcast ever. So this is a good one to talk about. We're seeing a lot of sources, underground labs, that have popped up over the past, I'd say, six years. They just popped up out of nowhere. Guys making their own steroids out of their toilet, out of their bathtub, call it bathtub gear. They'll basically import a bunch of raws from China or India or whatever and then make their own gear at home. 
And then, hey, I'm in business. And then they'll start selling it to people, selling to people at gyms, selling to people online, et cetera. Um, that's kind of gone away, though, recently because they're finding out, like, these underground labs aren't really good with their quality of gear. So they don't really stay in business long. But, you know, a lot of them are coming up with injectable orals. I've noticed injectable D-Bowl. Uh, some guy on the forum was asking about injectable Super Droll, which I've never heard of. Um, there's injectable Anovar. There's injectable Winstrol, which has been around a long time, obviously. And that's that's one that is more in the mainstay of uh, the uh, – you see legitimate sources actually selling injectable Winstrol. So what's the difference between an injectable oral and an oral, just a plain – oral steroid that's you know the same form so at the end of the day you know it depends on the quality of the source i have no issues using injectable d-ball or the oral d-ball as long as the quality is the same so but obviously guys would rather take the oral version of course you don't want to have to inject every day do you isn't it easier just to pop a pill every day so, Rick, Rick, you can get into the more, you know, science uh, behind injectable orals and in, in your opinion on it. Back in the day, in your day, guys, you know, uh, you know, they wouldn't use in, in, these injectable steroids a lot, uh, injectable orals. They prefer just taking D-Bowl, you know, as the – and tablets, right? That was, that, or Superdrol, same thing with Superdrol. So, tell us a little bit about that. Well, the only real benefit over injecting an oral is the, the slower release. Uh, you find this with Winstrol. Winstrol came in both forms. The exact same methylated hormone came in an injectable form and it came in an oral form. <clears throat> oh, man. So, uh, so what it, what, the way that it works pretty much is, is this, man. When you take... The, the Winstrol or the Anavar, whatever a methylated oral hormone you have, it goes right through your system. It goes through your digestive system, which is just evolved to take stuff in and push it right out. Stuff comes in, whatever uh, can and should, escapes the, the gut and goes into our blood system to be into the body. Whatever it's not supposed to, it'll just come right out. Tube within a tube. You know, we're, we're, this is the way it works. So when you take it orally, you do have to, and you should uh, have to dose Winstrol, Anavar. Take it a couple of times, maybe three, four times a day in order to keep pretty uh, steady levels. Now, when you take that same hormone and you place it in a depot inside of the muscle, the muscle's kind of not evolved or ready to take some foreign object that was placed in the middle of it and somehow make, make use of it right away. This is, I'm talking about water-based Winstrol or water-based steroids. When you inject the water-based steroid into your muscle cell, the water leaves very quickly. Water dissipates very quickly. It's supposed to oil, which will last there way longer. But water dissipates pretty quickly, leaving the crystalline hormone there, leaving just the, the, the crystallized hormones there. And then off of that depot, just over, over hours and hours and hours and hours, maybe a full day, your body will begin to, to dissipate that crystalline um, depot. It'll begin to, to break it down and you'll get a bit of a slow release 
situation. This is why some guys used to shoot Winstrol every other day when you had the Winstrol shots because you were pretty sure that 24 hours after you shot, you might still have some crystallized hormone in, in the muscle that's still slow releasing. That's probably the only real benefit I see to it because uh, eventually it's going to pass through your liver from your blood system like everything else that's in your blood will pass through the liver and it's going to do the damage in the liver anyway. So really the only, the only benefit I see is, is, is uh, the slow release of a depot. You might be able to shoot just once a day and I mean, it's great. And um, maybe if you have digestive issues, maybe if you, if you're having a, if you're having some, some digestion problems uh, or you think that you're not, you're, you're not taking in, your body's not, it's not taking in all of your hormone, then it'll, it'll help. It'll help uh, not waste some of that hormone being excreted right out of the body. It's the only thing I could think of. Besides that, I don't, I don't see really much benefit in, in taking uh, an injectable that, that you could take orally. Not, not at all. As a matter of fact, one of the number one questions on the forums for years and every month there'd be a new guy coming in to ask it was, can I drink the Winstrol? Because back then it was actually cheaper to buy the same milligrams of, of Winstrol in a liquid form injectable than it was to get the tablets. It was about, you know, 10 or 20% cheaper to get that same, you know, gram of, of Winstrol in two vials of 50 mg's uh, per 10 milliliters and it was that was cheaper than getting a couple hundred tablets money savings and sometimes availability so guys would want to drink the winstrol you know just measure it out with a syringe and shoot it right in the mouth and not have to put a needle in their body so even some you could even do some of that too but you like to get it yeah shot, that's a you like to shoot it in your mouth <laughs> is that the way you like it <laughs> <laughs> the opportunistic jokes, man. I like that shit. Yeah. All right, let's keep it going. Let's keep it All going, right. buddy. I'll, right, I'll, I'll get you back. <laughs> <laughs> you like the taste, huh? All right, guys. So the third one we're gonna talk about is prostate red flags on cycle. Speaking of that, Rick, we had to segue right into this, right? From that topic. Shooting mm, in your mouth. Yeah, prostate, yeah. Right. So guys, uh, uh <laughs> so I went went once went to the doctor. I was like, man. I told her, I was like, look, my prostate, like something wrong with my prostate. I feel like a lump. Can you check my prostate? This is like fat, like obese lady who's a doctor. I couldn't believe this lady was a doctor. So she basically like says to me to bend over. So I bend over. She sticks her freaking finger up my ass and she like moves it around and she pulls it out and she takes the glove off and she puts it in the trash. It gives me a tissue. So I take the tissue and I blow my nose with it. I'm like, why is she giving me a tissue? But she was actually, I didn't know what the fuck she was doing, but I asked her to check my prostate and she stuck her finger on my ass. So I'm like, what the hell is this? But apparently that's how they check it. So if you've never gotten the finger up your ass, <laughs> finger up your ass, you need to, that's the way to check for the prostate. So if they notice anything, they'll flag it and then you'll go for a further test. So as men, we got to do the finger up the ass. Um, really yearly right rick i mean if you don't do it you're you're gonna run the risk prostate cancer is a serious thing if you use steroids your increased chance of getting prostate cancer right rick i mean 
uh, steroids, they add inflammation to the body. Um, you know, so it's very, very important to, to keep an eye on your, your prostate health guys. And at, at the end of the day, you know, some of the red flags, I mean, if you got problems urinating, if you're, uh, you know, you, something like that, it could be a, a urinal tract infection, but those aren't really common with men, but a lot of times it's just your prostate got inflamed. So a lot of guys want to know, how do I, re you know, reduce my prostate? My advice is you have to come off steroids. I mean, all this, all this, it's like, we want to take something. Oh, I want to take something. I want to take something. They want to take like cranberry juice or something. Well, if you, you buy cranberry juice at the store, Rick, less than 1% of that cranberry juice is actually cranberry juice. It's like 50% sugar, 40% uh, some other juice. So that's not going to help you. You know, so certain supplements can help with the prostate, yes. But at the end of the day, I mean, you got to do what you don't want to do, which is come off steroids for a foreseeable amount of time. And then that gives your prostate a chance to, 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 to you know, deflate back down. And that will, that's what you got to do. Because, uh, gosh, I mean, there's so many, there's a really good chance of men, I think I read something, Rick, 50% of men before the age of 55 will get prostate cancer. So that's pretty scary. And we've got already millions of cells in our prostate just waiting for a reason to blow up. So it's something we really have to watch. And you can get prostate cancer even in your 20s. So it's not something um, you, you want to, you know, joke around with. I have a, my prostate does get tight uh, from anabolic use and I've been to the doc when it's tight and he wants to put your medication, the asteroid and all these things. And then I'll say, you know what? Come back in a couple of months. I'll get off the sauce and use natural products to maintain, come back in prostate is, is, is feeling mushy again. So I know me personally, steroids tighten my prostate up. I also cycle quite a bit. I like mountain biking. And that beats up your prostate quite a bit. Uh, my grandfather on my mother's side of the family has a, a takes medication for his prostate. So it's something I'm conscious of. It's one of my uh, fears from being from having been doing steroids since since I was very, very young, uh, since I was in my 20s. And yeah, it's a, it's a concern. Uh, I'm going to go in for... Uh, for some more prostate uh, exam probably here in the next couple of months, let you guys know how it goes. But yeah, I, I've had both, both experiences, man. When I, when I'm on the sauce, um, it'll tighten up my prostate and it changes the way you, you urinate changes the way you feel when you sit, when I sit on my bicycle, it, it creates a, a deep kind of sensation, very tender sensation. And yeah, if you go in there to the doctor and get checked while you're on steroids, chances are it's going to be tight. Chances are is your prostate is going to be pretty tight. So you'd have to, you'd have to come in off of, off of the stairs, off of the juice and see how, see how you're feeling. I, you're I came feeling. across a video from Medellin, Colombia, where they were uh, bi uh, bicycling through like a, uh, um, a obstacle course through the town. It was insane. Yeah, downhill. And downhill. They yeah, were down like literally like one foot away from going off the cliff. And like he was going downstairs and there was like people standing along the trail. Uh, it was incredible. Um, 
you made me think of that, but yeah, that's, I, I can't believe like people do that. That's so crazy. Like literally one foot away, one wrong turn or something, you go over the cliff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A bicycle is, it's like a prosthetic. It enhances your strength and enhances human ability. And yeah, I mean, uh, some hill that you would, that you wouldn't even be able to walk down those hills without breaking your ankles. If you've got the appropriate bike, you can go that right down those hills. No problem. No problem at all. There's a, a Steve Jobs interview uh, that I, I saw and he, and he, uh, he talked about an article he read where they, where they actually uh, graded, you know, they, they, they ranked animals by how, how much they're able to move, uh, you know, and efficiently move. And at the top were like condors and stuff that can like hover using using the the heat waves that come off the andes mountains they just able to hover for hours and hours without even flapping their wings they, they just glide over over some of these uh, currents and at the very bottom we're kind of humans you know we're we're really not that efficient uh, when it comes to the to forest movement uh, and then he says that in the article uh somebody added in a human on a bicycle and a human on a bicycle is actually more efficient at moving around than any other animal in the world. So yeah, on a, on a bike, uh, you can you can go up downhill. It just multiplies your strength. You can travel miles and miles and miles on on the same amount of calories that it would take you to just you know jog a, a mile. You can the bicycle will take you. And if you're going downhill, like Steve's describing. Oh man, it's nothing more fun than than going downhill on a mountain bike, man. It's dangerous too, but it's it's just it's just an incredibly fun, very fulfilling feeling to go down downhill on a bike. It's incredible. It's the cleanest, best pleasure. But he was going down, he was going down stairs and like doing ramps and stuff. I don't know, it was insane. It, it looks when you when you see the videos. Especially with those fisheye lenses, it looks a lot less manageable than it is. But once you're going downhill, believe it or not, you start to see everything in like slow motion. Oh man, the, the human brain is incredible. You see everything in slow motion and you're able to, you know, make adjustments and calculations for the rope that's in front of you and, and make adjustments and calculations for the rope 10 and 20 feet ahead, 30 feet ahead. You just do all this math in your head real fast and you adjust your balance. And it's actually, once you do, once you do it, it's actually quite easy. It's actually not that hard. It's kind of the same principle as riding a horse, riding a jet ski. You don't really sit on the on your seat. You're, you're standing, you're on your feet, basically, using your knees and your hips and your ankles as, as your shock absorbers. So you're not really sitting on the bike, just like when you're doing jet ski and you want to not really sit on the jet ski. If, if, it, if it's wavy, you want to bounce off the same thing with a horse. You don't really want to sit on the saddle. You want to stand. You want to stand on your on your on things that hold your feet. I don't know what they're called in English, but you want to stand and kind of that's how you gallop. So it's the same thing with mountain biking. You just stay on your pedals uh, and bounce off your pedals. Don't don't put your your butt on the seat. And even though seeing those videos, it looks undoable. It looks like these guys have extreme skill. Nah, man. Once you get on a bike, you start going downhill. So easy, bro. It's not. It's not. It's, it's nothing. Dude. It's pretty easy. All right, guys, so next one is Clen. Speaking of that, Clen, obsolete. What are guy, guys and gals using now for fat loss? 
So Rick, uh, I'm bringing you in first. What's your uh, what's your opinion of this? Back in your day on the forums, back in the '90s, guys uh, use Clint a lot more than they do today. I'm not seeing very much Clint use today. Um, I'm working with clients at the high levels of uh, bodybuilding, and they're not even using Clint anymore. So what's your what's your opinion of this? What do you think caused the change? Bro, uh, Clen, back in the day when I first got started researching and doing my first couple of cycles, uh, you know, circa 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, Clenbuterol was used during PCT. Clenbuterol was used during PCT. Guys used to say, do Clen during your PCT because it'll, it's anti-catabolic, so you won't lose your muscle mass. It'll help you, quote unquote, solidify gains. It's going to clear out and clean out your androgen receptors. This is what guys used to say back in the day about clenbuterol. And it'll help you get rid of some of the bloating, some of the water retention from cycle. So clen was, guys used to use it after cycle during PCT back in the day. Not anymore. We know it's not that great of an anti-catabolic. You could probably use something like laxogenin, which is still over the counter, and use that uh, laxo as an anti-catabolic if that's what you're looking for. Should be just maybe probably better effective than the clenbuterol as an anti-catabolic. And as far as the stimulant and fat loss side effects of it, look, guys, there's already been about three different compounds that were available over-the-counter supplement industry and then got banned, either hard banned or soft banned by the FDA that were already better than clen. You know, there's three out there that already came and went that were better than Clen, reached their peak, were used more than Clen, and then the FDA abandoned them. Either right out banned, so you can't do this, you can't sell this anymore, or they soft banned it. Soft banned is where they just sent letters to everybody that's selling it saying, you, 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 we're not saying this is illegal, but we're saying you probably should not be selling it because it, because it doesn't adhere to these, uh, to these rules or because it's it's got this issue. You probably shouldn't be selling it. And then most brands just stop selling it. And then, you know, they've been, there's been a couple of, of out there. So now clenbuterol is, is passe, man. Clenbuterol is out of style. I don't see any really good legitimate reason to use it. If you're using clenbuterol is because you've got a coach and you're competing and he tells you, this is the way we do it. This is what we need to do to get you looking ripped and shredded. And, and here's a regimen and, Here's what other compounds and supplements you need to take with it. And then maybe you might have a, a use for it. But if you're just kind of doing it on your own for fat loss, like you're a girl guy, just, just ordering some client, trying to just do it on your own. There's better options, man. Don't, don't do any of that. Look, if you want good fat loss and good, good progress, losing fat without the stimulant, buy my Entuslin product. And the number, N as in Nancy, the number two, Slin, S L. N.com. Go there. Go to entuslin.com. That's my product. Non-stimulant. It'll and it'll help uh, get rid of fat. And it will help uh, and it will help build a little bit of mass too. If you if you're training, lifting weights, and you take it before each meal, the way I describe, and it works through through the insulin sensitivity pathway. It's not like like a clenbuterol, one of these other stimulants that's just hitting your nerves, hitting your central nervous system, shutting down your appetite because it's hitting your central nervous system so hard and just kind of make you wired up, which 
when it comes to stuff like Clan or some of these other uh, even over-the-counter stimulants, the main reason people find good results with them losing weight is because one, it, 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 it curves their hunger while, while the effects are happening. And it gives them some, some additional energy boost, even if when they're on a caloric deficit. So this is why a lot of people use central nervous system stimulants as part of their fat loss regimen. But if you just kill the hunger through time-restricted feeding, fasting, you, you stop being fucking hungry all day. Um, two, you instead worked on insulin sensitivity and making sure that your thyroid uh, is making proper amounts of the T hormones you need. And you focus on thyroid, maximizing thyroid output, and you uh, focus on insulin sensitivity pathways, you'll get incredible fat burning results without taking any stimulants. And yeah, you don't have that crutch when you take like my Entuslin or my T3 PCT to optimize the thyroid and to, and, and to make sure to have proper insulin sensitivity. When you take those two, you, you're gonna have to deal with hunger on your own. You're gonna have to deal with, with the, the energy drop from being in a caloric deficit on your own. You won't have a, a stimulant wiring you up. But you're still doing it safer. And, and it's more effective, in my opinion, guys. It's way more effective to diet with T3, PCT, and Entuslin than without. So I think it's, it's an obsolete way of doing things to just slam central nervous system stimulants in your body to kill appetite and to give you a little bit more energy when you're in a caloric deficit. I think just, just that practice alone should probably should probably become passe, should, should be stinked, should be something we don't do anymore, that whole practice of, of bouncing, just slamming stimulants into your body as a way to lose weight. You know, I, I, think, I think just, just that in itself uh, shouldn't be going on anymore. I think we understand the body enough now and there are enough compounds with enough clinical data behind them to where we can really target fat loss a source, the proper way of targeting fat loss, which is insulin sensitivity and your T hormones from your thyroid. Those, if those two things being in order, man, let me tell you something. There are people that walk around with the proper insulin sensitivity and, and with their thyroid output being proper. And those are the guys we think got great genetics. They look ripped. They're veiny. They don't watch their diet as much. They don't even train that often, but they just look great genetics. This is just it. Their, their, their endocrine system, their, their uh, hormones are, are just working optimized, working optimized to keep them lean. That's all. So that's my whole thing on that, man. I think, um, I'm anti uh, a stim for fat loss uh, as of right now. So, um, I mean, I've used Clen a couple times. I think it's a nasty, nasty, nasty drug. The problem with Clen is to get the results on it that you're going to want, you've got to jack up the dose. So you can't just run it at 20 micrograms. You got to run it at 40, 60, 80, 100, 120 micrograms. Problem is when you jack it up that high, you start getting side effects, start getting, start shaking. You get really bad uh, gut problems like heartburn. feels like your heart's going to explode out of your body. Um, a lot of people complain about insomnia. So Really, really, really stupid. If you think it's an anti-catabolic drug, I don't see how it can be anti-catabolic when you can't even sleep on it. Uh, so that doesn't make any sense. But um, listen, it was the, some celebrities really popularized it. 
I think Britney Spears used it back in the day. A lot of people, a lot of celebrities uh, talked about it. Most guys are going to run it, most girls and guys, and they're going to be like, this stuff is horrible. It's not worth it. It's going to kill your endurance. It's going to jack up your heart rate. Really, really bad. Really, really bad stuff, guys. So I'm not a fan of using it. I think that a couple ways to lose weight fasting. Fasting is, is the secret weapon toward losing weight. And with fasting, you don't got to take anything to fast. That's the beauty part. Rick mentioned N2Slim, N2Slim before your meals. Let's say you fast the whole day, then you eat dinner. Well, before you eat that dinner, take the N2Slim 30 minutes before. It's going to block fat from being stored. Beautiful, right? That's what we want. GW, Carterine, we had a podcast about it. Go back and listen to it. Sold out, it's sold out as a SARM. It's not a SARM. That's another one that you could use. So all three of those things, the GW, the N2Slim, and fasting, those three are weapons and those three aren't going to give you nasty, nasty side effects. And those three aren't going to screw up your cardio. They're not going to screw up your endurance. not going to screw up your heart health. So those are, those are the three best ways to, to lose fat. So I have a, I have a kind of a new year's goal that I have. Um, by new year's, I want to be a, a really, really low single digit percentage body fat because I want to, I want to do some photo shoots uh, to keep some pictures for my social and stuff like that. So I'm going to be doing a nice long GW cartering cycle along with just time restricted feeding, fasting, a little bit of androgens here and there. It's going to be a pretty light cycle. I'm just going to do it to get really, really uh, ripped and veiny. And I want to be like that for New Year's. (laughs) <laughs> Funny, most people uh, start trying to get in shape after New Year's, right? Uh, but I, I think a little differently. This is my lifestyle. So uh, by New Year's, um, I want to be really, really, really tight uh, for some, some good pictures that I want to take with some of, uh, some of the girls, some of the models that, that I work with. Um, it's going to be really nice. There's going to be some Dan Blazarian type, type of stuff I'm, I'm looking forward to doing. And so... Um, my main staple for this cutting cycle is going to be cautering because it just helps burn fat. It does not stimulant. It does give me additional energy without it being stimulant, without it stimulating my central nervous system. So uh, I'm, I'm about to start using it. Uh, if you guys want to want to follow my, my cycle, want to ask me any questions, want to know where I get my shit from, you know, whatever you guys want to uh, ask and follow me through the cycle until I get in incredible, incredible shape between now and, and New Year's rolling around, uh, please follow me, rickyvrock.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-V as in victory, R-O-C-K.com. And that'll send you right to my fan page. Uh, from there, you could find my social, you could uh, personal friend me, and uh, we'll, you know, you'll, you'll see the process. I think... GW is probably the best fat burning shedding compound right now. I love it because it's non-stimulant and because the way it works, it's really, it's there during the moment that fat is being burned. It's really, it works incredibly. So if you're looking to, to, for fat loss and, and you want to go into, and you want to try something that's not stimulant, I'm going to be doing GW. Come, come check it out. See, see how my cycle goes. But that's a, 
that's in my opinion right now is the best one. And we have a whole episode on GW in our podcast. Make sure you guys track back and go listen to it and, and get some good information for it. But yeah, please follow me. Please follow me and reach out. Let's have a talk. I get guys uh, messaging me on, on Facebook with their questions every day. If you want a, a quick, uh, short 10 minute, 15 minute phone consult to talk to me about what you're going through, what your uh, stuff is like, I'll, I'll, I'll arrange that with you. No charge. I like talking to, to you guys. I like getting feedback from everybody that listens to this podcast. So make sure to reach out. I'm, I'm available for all you guys. That's really sweet. I'm going to give you a call tonight around midnight, 1, 1 a.m. for 15 minutes. You got to stop doing that, Steve. You keep waking me up at night, man. I'm trying to get yeah. some rest and you're like, oh, No, I'm, I'm helping you sleep. You, you've, you've been under a lot of stress lately. So I've been your therapist. <laughs> I've been like, yeah. uh, let's, not, let's not talk about all the stress I've been through lately, man. Shit's just, <laughs> when it rains, it pours a little bit, don't it? But good. All right, guys, so our last topic, I'm going to bring Rick in us quick because he has a family. Food, sh food shopping tips, um, you know, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, food, you know, food is one of the most expensive uh, in your uh, expenses in the budget when you're a uh, bodybuilder, a weightlifter, a powerlifter, fitness, et cetera. I mean, we, we, eat, we eat a lot of food. We eat a lot of healthy food. We eat a lot of good food, good quality food. So food shopping tips, I'm going to give you one really quick. I want to bring a Rick out. You guys got to invest, got to go, go, go invest in some good quality, cold pressed, unrefined, organic coconut oil. Uh, you can buy a whole tub of it at like a Whole Foods or uh, buy it online from, uh, from Amazon or something. 15 bucks, 12 bucks. Usually they're sales. Don't go wasting your money on cheap coconut oil, guys. Refined coconut oil, stripped coconut oil. You can't buy that stuff from like a regular supermarket or the drugstore. You're wasting your time. We had a thread on, on the forum recently, and a bunch of guys on the forum chimed in. They're like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter what coconut oil you get. It's all the same. No, it's not the same. You get good quality coconut oil. It's got the nutrition in there. It's got the good fats. It's got the MCTs, Okay. That's what you need. That's the whole point. And that's going to be what you use to cook with going forward. You can use it for anything. You can use it. You could throw it on, a, on your steak and then throw it on, a, on the barbecue. And then when you flip it over, the, 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 the oil will get you know, trapped in. You use it as a marinade for your chicken, for your turkey. You can use it in your salad. You can use it to cook your eggs. You use it for anything. So that's going to be what you need. And a tub of that stuff is going to last you like a couple months. So invest 12, 13 bucks in that. Number two, spices. Go to the spice aisle. Black pepper, raw black pepper, Himalayan pink salt, smoked organic paprika. These are the basic, basic spices and additions that you can add to your food that's healthy. Instead of going and wasting money on sauce, we talked about it on a previous podcast. These sauces that you guys are using to, on your marinades and stuff, Look at what's in it. They've got hydrogen oils. They got sugar. They got all kinds of stuff that don't belong in the body. Dyes, all, all kinds of additives, preservatives, stuff doesn't belong in the body. So get the spices, the healthy spices, the, the low FODMAP spices. I'm not a fan of garlic and onions. They're high FODMAP. They're going to unset your stomach. You're going to be burping. You're going to be stinking. You know, you're going to repel people from you. 
not a fan of those. We get the low FODMAT spices. Lemon, lime, also great to, to uh, marinate your, your food in. We talked about that on a previous podcast, but it's worth repeating. So you got to invest in these things, guys. These are very, very important, and that will help you with your food so you don't have to go to you know, a, a place and buy your, buy your food um, that's already cooked for you. You know, they, they cook the food for you. Well, they don't care about what they're putting in the food. They're putting tons of nasty oil on, on the food. They're putting tons of um, preservatives on the food. There's no telling where that meat came from. It's the cheapest quality meat. It's probably full of hormones. Um, it's, you know, it's just low, low quality. So you want to put stuff in your body you know, you're, you're a Lamborghini, okay? You don't want to put the 87 fuel in, in your Lamborghini. You want to put the top-notch uh, race car fuel in your body because you're gonna, that's going to make you feel good. It's going to help you stay lean. It's going to give you energy. It's going to help you get better results at the gym. Yes, it all connects because if you stress your body out by putting the wrong stuff in your body, the wrong oils, the raw, all the sugar, refined sugar that we have in the American diet and even in Europe and now China, China, they're all eating sugar now too. Any of you listening to us from Asia, you're getting into the act too because American companies went to China and they're selling all their, their sodas and all their, their sugary stuff over there. And now you're getting in the act. Chinese people actually have as much obesity now as Americans and type two diabetes. Guys, you put garbage in your body, you stress out your body. That's going to affect your gains. Absolutely. Because your body is not going to be able to recover as well. Your body's not going to be able to repair itself as well. So eat clean. That's very, very important, guys. Your fruits, your vegetables, very, very important. Okay? And if you're, uh, you're a meat eater, high-quality meats, very, very important. Nuts, nothing wrong with raw nuts here and there. But, um, you know, guys, what you put in your body is, is your fuel. So make sure you're putting the right fuel in your body always. How about you, Rick? Talk about being a family man. You're a family man. Tell, talk about your grocery shopping list as a family man. It's, um, I don't know, man. It, grocery shopping is so easy uh, when you, uh, when you know what kind of stuff you're going to prepare and what you're going to do. The, the tough part is having the kid sweets and snacks uh, in the kitchen while you're trying to, to fast or trying to lose weight. That gets tough seeing their, their, their nice uh, snacks everywhere. A lot of us get distracted and go in and eat and overeat even when it's not time to, to really eat. So Shopping list, man. Just make a good shopping list for your stuff, for what you're going to do. And just, I think the real magic when you live with people who are not on your grind, but you are on that hard grind, is just finding nice creative ways of making sure that when you cook a big meal, you can set aside a healthy portion for yourself and give everybody else the works. You know, I'll give you an example. The other day, we made some nice big pork chops, nice big salad ton of rice, fried plantains, you know, fried plantains because we we're South American. So it's a, it's a food staple for us. Plantains are, you know, some flat plantains, uh, some passion fruit juice, very sweet. And, you know, I cooked this, put this together for everybody. 
Now, when it came time to serving the meal, I just had the pork chops on a bed of, of that salad. My salad didn't have any dressing and had a big, big uh, cup of uh, water, cup of ice water. That was great. Actually, I remember I had a, a, about half a cup of kombucha and a cup of water and just put my, my pork chops on a, on a bed of salad and I was done. And then I served everybody else, my kids, mom, sister, served them all the, the fried plantains, the rice, the, 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 all the good stuff, you know, the passion fruit juice, all the good stuff. And, and that, that's it. You just do it that way. I'll give you guys another quick story. I go with my kid to Burger King the other day, right? Uh, just, we just stopped by cause he loves Burger King and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be an asshole and not <laughs> and push my, my lifestyle on him this early on. I tell him about health and about, uh, and about keeping your body safe and, and feeding your body the right things. But at the end of the day, he's, you know, he's 10. If he wants to eat a burger, I'll let him. So we go to Burger King and uh, he has the full meal with the fries and the soda. I just have a, a burger and some, um, and some nuggets and a big, big jug of salsa water, just no cows. And what I do is I drink the salsa water until I'm just completely satisfied. Then I took one little tiny sip of his, of his Coca-Cola and I had the sweet taste in my mouth uh, for, for a little while. And I had the satiation of being, uh, of drinking all that liquid. That was pretty cool. So you could, you know, do that after you're fully satiated and you drank enough liquid and anything, just take a sip of something sweet and something you like and, and you go. It's just it's like a weird kind of easy way to, to fool the brain and you get satisfaction. You know, the, the satisfaction that I get from drinking a big thing of salsa water and then having a tiny sip of Coca-Cola at the end is, was, is good or maybe better than if I had just drank the Coca-Cola the whole time. You know, when you think about it, you're making this stuff sweet just for, for the few, few, few seconds. I mean, milliseconds, it passes over your tongue. And then once it goes down, it's just doing a bunch of damage just because you want to taste something sweet. You could just get satiated, drinking something plain, and then have a tiny sip of something sweet for the aftertaste, and you're good to go, man. I, I'll tell you, to me, it's satisfying. But then again, I'm not like, I'm not like messed up addicted to sugars. If you're like fucked up addicted to sugars, then yeah, you're going to feel empty when you, when, you, when you have it that way because your body's not getting all those sugars you're so addicted to. But if you don't have a sugar addiction, and you just want to experience kind of that satisfaction, that mouthfeel, that aftertaste, you, you could just do that. Fill up with healthy shit, then take a little tiny sip as your very end of the meal of that little, little tasty thing that you, you're not supposed to have. And, uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. It's satisfying when you do it that way. To me, it has at least. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, yeah, that sums it up, guys. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, and they you gotta you gotta cook your own food at home. Going out to restaurants, restaurants that they got one goal in mind—that's profit. So I mean, they're gonna put preservatives in their food because they want to keep the food lasting longer. They want that they want you to feel satiated. They want to put all those oils and those salts and all that crap they add to add to the food. And, you know, they want you to leave there feeling satiated. Um, a lot of people, they're so addicted to that satiation. If they eat something dry, let's say, let's say you made like a dry chicken with nothing on it. Just cook a dry chicken with nothing. You're going to be like, man, this, this tastes horrible. 
Well, it doesn't. That's actually what we've been eating as human beings for 2 million years. And then now, you know, you got to smother your chicken in uh, gravy and sauce and all this stuff because we've gotten you so used to having that, that taste. So, um, you know, that's kind of funny. Just uh, no animal on the planet flavors their food or adds something to their food. We're the, we're the only ones. So that's kind of ironic. You know, so it's not, I don't think ironic is the right word, but that's kind of, that kind of proves how we've gotten away from our, um, uh, you know, our proper way, way of eating as, uh, as people. But <clears throat> I mean, I don't got any problem just eating a steak or a chicken or anything just by itself. I don't need to add anything to it. So pepper and insulting and, and some of these, uh, spicing came as a way of preserving the meats, preserving the foods. You know, before back before we had refrigerators, so a lot of these uh, spices um were really uh really became um, a staple because they help meats last longer and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, for a few thousand years, definitely. There's definitely uh, you can look that that spices were actually one of the most important trade trading uh, routes because they would uh, they trade between Asia, Middle East, Europe. So the spices were actually very important. But even before that, Rick, um, you'd have to go back. I'm talking two million years. Um, you know, it was kind of hard to come by. Um, so we depended a lot on, um, like if you go out in the middle of the woods and try to survive for three weeks, okay. Like that show naked and afraid, you wouldn't have access to spices. You would, you know, the foods you're eating wouldn't in, have those. In, in the Amazon, in the, and I don't know, I don't know how long they've been doing this for, but in the Amazon, they use a chote and with a chote, they, they flavor their food. They preserve some of the stuff that can perish. And they even put a chote on their skin to keep uh, mosquitoes and, and uh, animals from, uh, from wanting to, to bite them. So, you, so, I mean, spices, to in one way or another, have, have always been, been around and used across pretty much every culture. There's, there's always something locally, no matter where in the world you grew up, there's always something locally to help you uh, preserve food to help you increase your your libido and and your um and your fertility there's always something to, that could work as an antiseptic that can work as a as a antibacterial on the skin or or as you, or as you take it pretty much every culture every culture from if you take it from you know all the way from europe down to south america to patagonia everywhere there's always been shaman and there has always been herbs and things from the ground that were utilized to help you uh, to help you change the way your body uh, works uh, the supplement industry is probably one of the oldest industries in the world because look we're still using in capsules and, and the bottles and the capsules the the stuff that i provide my customers these herbs have been used by shaman. There was a time where a medicine man from Bulgaria was out picking, was out picking tribulus to make into concoctions for people that came to, to see him about their problems. And back in the day, if you were the, the shaman, uh, the medicine man in the village, people would come in into your hut. They'd offer, they'd give an offering, either some food or some collateral and say, help me out, please. Give me something. Here's what I want. Here's what I need. And so this, this herbs, spices, salts, 
Thanks to Preserve Food. I mean, this is we, this has been going on for, yeah. for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not denying that. But I think my point, Rick, is more of like Burger King. You bring up Burger King. If I already – you were to put a burger from Burger King right in front of me, I'd probably throw up at this point. Like I, I, I don't know how people eat that. It's just – but they eat it because they get – they're addicted to the satiation from that burger. It's not because it's actually a good burger. You want a good burger? Come to my house. I'll make a great burger for you from scratch. You see, that, that's my, my point. But some people who are so addicted to Big Macs or a Whopper or whatever, they'll eat my burger and be like, wow, this, this has no taste to it. But, you know, because they're used to, you see what I'm saying? So my point is to all you listening, if you're stuck on eating trash food, junk food, you need to get away from it and start cooking on your own and making your own food at home. Now's the best time with the pandemic going on. Better to avoid restaurants. You don't know where these people who are cooking your food. You don't know where their hands have been. They probably wiped their ass five minutes ago and then they're, they're making your food. So make your own food and you'll get used to the taste of the food. And after like a month or two, you're going to be like, like you won't even be able to want to smell a Big Mac or, or, or a Whopper. So that, that's what, I, uh, what I'm pretty much getting at because that's, that's where I am. I'm at. I, I wouldn't even be able to walk into a Burger King and sit down because I'd be so disgusted by the food. I actually had a girl, um, an ex, come visit me like, a couple of years ago, and uh, she, she um, brung fast food with her. Um, and I was just like, wow. I, I'm like, I couldn't even like stay in the smell. I was like, I'm sorry. You got to put this in, you got to put it like in a garage or something. Like I can't even, I can't even smell that shit. So that's where you want to get. If you want to get to where I'm at, you'll, you'll be able to like just reject the junk food. That's where you, where you want to get. That's the I, I'm, I'm on the opposite end. I still think all oh, this shit's delicious. I still think uh, chocolate, sweets, junk food. I still think it's all delicious, man, unfortunately. But I know it's not delicious in a good way. I know all the types of games that they play with the chemistry to make this food incredibly addictive. But, I mean, I'll have Taco Bell once in a blue moon. Always sends me to the bathroom. <laughs> I'll have a, a, a Burger King, a number two, with bacon. Once in a blue moon, I still like all these things. I just fucking don't like, I just don't indulge in it. I still like, I still like the way some of these things taste. I don't like the way I feel afterwards. I will admit Steve, when I have some of these really bad food, cause I'm so used to eating good foods that I prepare myself, the heaviness, like I couldn't have that food uh, too late too late in the afternoon that have to be like the first thing I eat at 4 p.m. If I eat it like around eight or nine, I know I'm going to have a really uncomfortable night of sleep. I'm not going to find, I'm going to be shifting around in the bed because it's just not going to digest as good. It's, as it's stressing your body out. That's what it does. Even if you're addicted to it, it's still stressing your body out. And if you don't notice that it's stressing your body out, it's still doing it. So just putting that extra stress on your body is going to affect your repair, affect your recovery. So really you're just saying, Oh, I go to sleep. During the night, yeah. now you're stressing your body. You're not allowing your body to recover and repair. So it you is just, hurting. You're your just pain. not as comfortable in the bed. Yeah, you're just not as comfortable in the bed when you're having. Whenever you wake up, and everybody's had this, you wake up in one of these episodes where, like, it doesn't matter how you shift on the bed, you're uncomfortable. You get on your back, you get on your side, and you're just always uncomfortable. You're having a, a digestive issue. If you were awake, walking around, you'd have a stomach ache right now. 
but you're laying down. So all you feel is you wake up and you just can't get comfortable in, in, in the bed properly in any position you get on. And we've all that had this episodes. That's just your body going through some fucked up digestion at nighttime. That's what happens. I, I just don't do it because shit, looking at myself in the mirror every day and, and being happy with the way that I look. I mean, I, you always have goals, you know, you always want more of something, but at least I'm not ashamed like I am when I'm overweight, when I look like shit. So that alone is just the motivation to just don't give a fuck about eating. I don't, I don't care about a little bit of mouth, mouth feel. That just, it goes away very quickly. But the fat, the, the lifestyle, carrying all this weight around, smelling like this, being sweaty like that, that's an everyday thing. That's not as momentary as passing as this one meal. And so I just don't do it, even though I could very well indulge in all these things and, and be satiated and short-term, short-term happy over it. Uh, I'm on the other spectrum, Steve, where I can still eat all this stuff, where I still want, once in a while will crave some of these things. It's just does, it just doesn't take over me. It, just, it never makes me throw my, my fitness goals and my goals out the window because I, I just can't stay away from eating these. It's like, fuck that. I'll stay away from junk food. Don't care do it all day long. No problem. But, but look, when I, when I smell the burger, when I bite the burger, when I chew the burger, I enjoy the fuck out of it because yeah, I do. So just that, that, that it'd be, it, you know, my life would be easier if I got to, to your, uh, to where you're at, Steve, um, which is base, but see you, you don't like caffeine either. It's just kind of dude you are, you're not into caffeine. You're dude, dude I had caffeine. Dude, listen to this. I had caffeine like a week ago. Um, Cause I had like, I didn't really sleep very much. I've been working like my ass off lately. So I woke up really early. I had to do a lot of writing and stuff. And um, man, I had some caffeine, bro. I was like, my heart was racing, man, for half the day. So that's another one. Caffeine. We'll have to talk about that one on a future episode, but when you're not drinking caffeine every day, like I am, and then you have caffeine, holy shit, your heart just fucking goes crazy. But you, you're so hooked on it, so addicted to it that you can drink caffeine every day and you don't have that. So that tells you how much caffeine over time really, really like floods. I'm your, a, I'm a drink, you know? I might drink one to two liters of coffee a day, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I take off holidays. I take off, but um, Monday through Friday, I'll drink a liter, two liters of caffeine uh, of coffee. Nice strong coffee a day, no no, no issue. But it didn't it didn't even wake me up, man. It just raced my heart, right? And it gave me a headache. It didn't even like wake me up. Didn't even make me feel good. So, I'm I guess I'm lucky, man. Like if it made me feel good and gave me that dopamine rush, like what happens with you? What happens to other guys who are addicted to it? Then man, maybe I would get addicted to it too. But because it gives me a headache and it races my heart rate, I don't like that, man. I I don't like that feeling of a i like to have my heart took, rate if you took if you took less if you took a tiny bit less i think you'd be fine right but i mean it's not making me feel good it's not making me you know feel energetic it's killing my energy so to me it doesn't do it so i guess i'm lucky same thing with alcohol if i drink alcohol i just feel like shit afterwards i, I just don't want it so uh, you know it's just uh, i don't know man it's um it's one of those things where I just, um, I can remember drinking beer and just, I'm like, man, this shit tastes like ass. Like I can't, I can't, I believe people actually drink this. So it's one of those things, man. I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm lucky in that regard, but if you stay away from stuff, you won't want it. Like that, that's my point. And my second point we'll finish up is you don't have to go 
and eat a burger at Burger King or McDonald's to enjoy it, to make it taste good. I guarantee you, if you tasted my burger, you would be like, wow, this, this actually tastes good. And then afterwards, you won't feel like shit. Mexican food, instead of going to Taco Bell, I can make you Mexican food. I can make you anything. I can make you quesadillas. I can make you tacos, anything. Um, fajitas. And you'll eat my fajitas, and you won't feel like shit afterwards like, like you would from Taco Bell. So uh, that's, no, that's my know, point. That's my point. I'll, I'll, did, I'll diddle you on that. I, 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 I like cooking. I, I cook incredible food. I got – if you guys uh, follow me, you'll see some of my recipes on, on social. I, I cook incredible too. But there is something chemically wrong <laughs> with some of this fast food. And when I, when I indulge in a cheat meal with fast food, I'm getting something extra that it's not cooked at home, that bad food. There is an addictive aspect to, to, to the meats and the cheeses that they use. There's got to be. There's got to be. Because when I want a cheat meal, I find myself thinking about, hey, how about some fucking Burger King today? What about, what about a big fucking Taco Bell box? You know, I cut calories down. I'm refeeding. Just, you know, I got two hard workouts planned, so I can have a, I can have my cheat meal now. How about a big fucking box of taco? Now, I can make my own tacos. I can buy the shell. Shit, I can even make my own shells. Deep fry them in, in coconut oil. Just use a little metal, metal something to, to make a little metal frame so they fold. I know how to do all of that. And I have, and I could do it. But there is just something about the chemistry and all the shit they put in that food that just touches something inside of your brain and makes you want it. That Taco Bell food, I know it. Look, I know I'm going to, um, it's going to send me to the bathroom. I know I'm going to have a nice long shit after I take Taco Bell food because there's something not, not great about that, about that food. But there is, there is a, a chemical uh, aspect you're getting to it. Um, there is a, a druggy kind of a, a addictive kind of nasty aspect. It's a to, dopamine to rush. Some of the flavoring, mm. some of the some of the smoky flavoring, some of the, they put so much weird fucking flavoring things in mm. there to make it to make it taste that way, to make it appeal that way, to preserve it. That there is there is an addiction. In fact, Chinese food too. There is a an addictive factor to some of these things because again, I I find myself uh, once in a, in a blue moon thinking, huh. Next cheat me, I need to have me some fucking Burger King. When I and when I used I'll to, about it. but when I used to be in my early twenties, I I used to go to McDonald's like, and I'd get the Big Mac meal, and I'd eat that Big Mac the first taste. It'd be like, wow, this tastes good. Then by the end of the Big Mac, I was like, wow, this shit is nasty. I can't believe I just ate this. And I started thinking, the smell. The smell, I start thinking the, in my head, the smell but, of the food is incredible. But I start thinking in my head, these people like who work in there, like where was their hand touching my food? Like I started thinking about that and I was like, Oh, I can't eat. And I just want to throw it back up. So I never found that food to be appealing, man. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, uh, I'm just different. I think they, did you grow up eating this stuff? Did you grow up eating it? Well, growing up, uh, I, uh, I used to work a ton, work a couple of jobs. So I didn't really have time to prep my own, my own food. Okay. It really wasn't that might be why, yeah, because I didn't grow yeah. up eating much fast food. I didn't yeah. grow up. Eating. I used to, I used to be one of these kids, man. I had day job, night job, uh, 
some during the summer when I wasn't in summer, I had wrestling, school, work. So just popping in into a drive-through and getting uh, something that that's cal- calorie dense, so I can get to my day, was was easy. And you know, when you're younger, as long as you're training, working out, you look ripped, even if you even if you eat trash. So it was it was when I was young during the time where I I just I, I didn't know how to cook as well as I do now. I have time to cook. I'd be just getting out of one place, going into another, eating in my car, you know, just that type of uh, that type of grind is where I found the place to, to, to for this fast food because I was able to get plentiful, cheap calories that I needed. I mean, I I, I wasn't even worried about getting fat, um, you know, when I was uh, in late teens, early twenties. I was really worried about just getting enough calories to get through the day. So stopping and getting some uh, a Burger King burger and fries with a big uh, jug of Coke, when that might have been, you know, that might have been the only thing I was able to 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 get in my system for eight hours because of of just the grind of, of going from one job to the next. That's kind of where I where fast food started to bring. And this this is me lifting weights, doing steroids sometimes. Uh, uh, you know, it's still drinking my protein shakes a ton, but I just need calories, especially, oh, dude, when I train mixed martial arts, when I'm, when I'm steady, uh, going into dojo, you, oh man, you, you need those calories. You don't, you, you know, I'm not sitting there thinking like, oh man, you know, is this good for me or not? It's like, fuck, I need, I need a thousand fucking calories right now. Cause I feel depleted. I feel lightheaded. My, my muscles are. My muscles, I'm not going to, if I don't have a thousand calories right now, be, before I, be, between now and before going to bed, I know I'm going to wake up more sore tomorrow. I'm going to wake up more tired tomorrow. I'm going to feel like shit. So, so yeah, it's, it's where fast food found out, found a place for me. It's just me needing a ton of calories to, to work and train and lift um, while not having, while not being able to be, to be near a kitchen or not having even the money because as I got older and I, and I achieved uh, some, some success and I was able to pay more for my food, then I'd go into deli, you know, New York style delis, and I'd go in and I'd have clubs or I'd have a, a, a big uh, sandwich or I'd have healthier choices as I, you know, as, as I grew up in, in the world and, as I would, and I was able to, to pay a little bit more for my fast food, for my food, that prepared foods. But very early on as a child, man, as a kid, Brian used to, they used to have a little scratch off. You know, you get a free fries with, with each meal. I'd find the coupons, and I was just happy to get get calories uh, that I needed uh, cheap. And this is this is where I trained myself to eat fast food. Yeah, they also advertise. You know, they're in cartoons. They they target mostly like minority communities and stuff. It's so like the poor, like a lot of poor areas and and stuff like that on purpose. They know what they're doing. It's marketing. You know, these corporations know what they're doing, buddy. Um, all right, guys. I, I hate to say, I mean, I hate to say it, but look, it's, it's, not, it's not the healthiest food. It does have some weird uh, addictive qualities to it, I have to admit. But if you talk about cheap calories for today, maybe not long term, not a good plan. We need cheap, cheap fucking calories today just to keep you up and keep you going. Um, fat, I mean, how many, how many calories do you get just in a big, uh, in a big Coke? You, 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 I mean, several hundred. If you... Um, if what you need is, is is cheap sustenance, cheap fast sustenance, just just to keep keep you going, it's um you know it's, it's there. It'll do the job. It, it, yeah. it did for me. I I don't believe in the whole calorie thing. You know me by now. I don't think. I think a big soda, 
like that, if even if it had 300 calories, that's still causing tremendous oh, damage. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And, I mean, it's spiking I your insulin levels so high, <clears throat> then it's not going to come down. So it does I'm, way I'm more. Ta- damage I'm talking the calories, yeah. in in the context of working two jobs, train and training. You know, like hard training. You know, yeah. mixed martial arts, wrestling. In the context of, of that, um, and you're not very looking in the mirror for aesthetics, you're, you're thinking about performing somewhat and staying up, it, it found a place. And obviously, look, and obviously, look, nowadays, I, um, I still work long hours, but now I have access to a kitchen uh, most of the time. I, I still, uh, when I do indulge in food outside, I'll, I'll go to the New York style deli, I'll go to the good places and get the, the good high quality foods that I want, you know, I'll get the, I'll get the avocado wraps with the fresh, with, with the wild caught, caught salmon. Like I'll, I'll do the, I got, I, you know, I have, I'm an older guy. I have the funds now to, to feed myself better. So yeah, it changes. What, it changes. what I used to do when I, and maybe this will help some of the teenagers listening. What I used to do too, um, especially in high school was I'd boil eggs. It'd take about 10 minutes to boil eggs in the morning. I boil two eggs pack them in my uh, book bag and take them to, to school with me. And then some, some point, you know, during first, second period, I crack open the egg and eat it. <laughs> a lot of people in class. Yeah. Me. The smell. Yeah. I, I, they'd I always look around. They, they, yeah. They think I'm like farting or something, but look, you know, that, that's what I would do, man. I mean, I'd eat a couple eggs. I take that versus, um, you know, eating garbage. So, but yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. So, all right, guys. Yes, we. Uh, this is was uh, three fifty three Q and A. We'll have another Q and A next week. Keep the questions coming for Steve, Smee, and Rick. Evolutionary Radio. Enjoy it. Have a good one. Have a have a a, a whopper on me, Rick. <laughs> have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.